For the ANA Center for Brand Purpose podcast, I'm Ken Bollier. The days of brands remaining silent on big issues are over. And for good reason, 64% of consumers choose, switch, avoid, or boycott a brand based on its stand on social issues, according to Edelman. And not surprisingly, a majority of consumers believe brands have better ideas for solving our country's problems than the government. Joining me today is David Hesekiel, president of Engage for Good, which helps companies and causes better engage consumers and employees around social issues through cause marketing and corporate social initiatives. Dave is a leading authority in this field and is often quoted in leading publications like the Washington Post, USA Today, and Adweek. David, welcome. Thank you, Ken. It's great to be here. So I'd like to learn a little more about Engage for Good. And um, if you could also tell me how the business has evolved. I know previously it was uh, the Cause Marketing Association. Yes, we started uh, 17 years ago, I guess 18 years ago, because we're going to have our 17th annual conference this May in Chicago. Terrific. And when we started, we were called the Cause Marketing Forum uh, with the, because that phrase, Cause Marketing, was gaining currency. And it's fascinating what uh, 18 years will, or will do, uh, because now uh, that is still a tactical approach uh, that uh, things like uh, buy this and we'll give a dollar type of tactics still are building blocks of a lot of different relationships and programs. But the ethos has changed so much to the point where when we started, the people who came and participated were so glad to have a home because they felt like the kids that nobody understood. Everybody in their organization, if they worked for a business, said, oh, this is really nice, but this is just giving. Sure. And if everybody who worked at the nonprofits would say, well, it would be great to have the corporations write a nice big philanthropic check, but we're really selling out if we do anything that can be beneficial to them. Mm -hmm. Over the years, this idea of corporations embracing causes in a way that is sustainable, that is beneficial to their business, that helps them create an identity that their employees and their consumers relate to, is now not a eccentric sort of kooky idea. It's center of the plate. Witness the terrific organization that you're now building at the ANA, totally de de dedicated to this. And so we have evolved with the times uh, to embrace a far broader way, a variety of ways in which corporations embrace causes, make them cent more central to how they conduct business and do well by doing good. Mm -hmm. Was that evolution somewhat seamless? It's, it's, it certainly seems that yeah, way in the server. You know, yeah, there, there, it, wasn't, it wasn't painful other than it's a lot of work yes. uh, to, to make a change and you're always uh, worried about what the outcome will be. But it really was something that we saw happening a, 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 along the way. We made the change when we had our 15th anniversary uh, a few years ago uh, to actually un unveil this brand and, and actually welcomed into the tent, so to speak, a whole different group uh, or ex an extended group or a group that felt that now more of their needs were being met because we used to be almost exclusively consumer-oriented mm -hmm. in the programs that we talked about and the tactics that we discussed. And now we have embraced the idea, a, a very important population to be speaking with are your employees or your franchisees or others with whom you have a business relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that has added tremendously to our programming. Sure. 
Tell me how the nature of your membership has changed. I mean, do you feel like there are a lot of smaller brands getting involved now, or is it pretty much the same? Um, it, any it, changes it, there? It varies. We have never been, and there, there are so many wonderful organizations within this field dealing with different groups. So the whole B Corporation, B Lab movement is more oriented toward a startup organization. Now there are some very large companies of, of that type on the corporate side. Primarily our bread and butter has been helping companies who are making a transition. Very few of them were started by visionaries for whom at the very core of their company's DNA was this idea of somehow giving back, of having a purpose. Right. Um, and so they have been the main components of the corporate side of how we work. And on the nonprofit side, uh, it would be those folks who are working with others, to uh, with corporations, to help them along the path and create win-win partnerships. And those are also somewhat larger organizations. We now see and we regularly include content from some smaller companies, but we're, we're not so much geared towards helping uh, the startups for sure. Do you feel that there's more companies that are eager to share their stories about their do-good efforts than ever before? Yeah, it's well, so, so yes, but. Okay. Uh, the, ye the, but? <laughs> the Yes, so the yes is, again, at one time companies had a culture, there was, there, was a, there was a very, very big strain within the culture that said, you just don't talk about what good you do. It's just something sort of noblesse oblige. You should just do it, but nobody should know about it. Yeah. And it was a feeling that, that people were cynical about seeing anything that was being heralded as having a give back component. Sure. Over the years, such as the research that you've cited and many, many other types of research, have shown consumers, employees are demanding that the companies that they make a part of their life, whether it's what water they're buying or what companies they report to for, for work, uh, have this ethos built into them. Mm -hmm. So if you are doing these great things and you're not letting people know, you're, you're, you're really missing out and can be hurting yourself. The but is that from the time when we started to now, I mean, Facebook wasn't even started when we started. The ability to be caught and hoisted upon your own petard, as, so to speak, mm -hmm. if you're insincere, if you're found to be hypocritical, if you're claiming one thing and doing another, is so vast and so fast that companies are and causes are certainly gun shy about just sort of throwing out big announcements without really doing their homework. Mm -hmm. and, and as well they should. Unfortunately, sometimes the saying, no good deed goes unpunished, uh, is true. Yeah. <laughs> and so you gotta do your homework, you gotta do it well. And, and that is why we have been holding these events and they've been growing and we are uh, sharing information throughout the year to help people avoid mistakes and make the most out of building the bottom line and a better world. Sure, and that's what I was going to say. I would assume Engage for Good does exactly that. Exactly. You're, you're providing that information so that folks don't feel uncomfortable about sharing this kind of information at all. Yeah, right. or taking a stand, what have you. Exactly. Are there a lot of companies that talk to you about taking a political stand and whether they should or not? Is that a... That has been, a, again, 
it's just a, it, it is a reflection of what is happening in the society. The idea of companies, certainly companies have been lobbying and taking political stands, but sort of in the back room for a long time. Uh, nowadays, with the changing perception of what the responsibility of business is, mm -hmm. the idea of companies taking a more public stand on you know, equality, gender equality, everything from guns to uh, every pro ecological issue uh, is much more common. And so we, in the last few years, through the desire of the people who uh, go to our conferences mm -hmm. and, and listen in, we've added sessions on what is the role of advocacy? How do you do that in a way that will resonate, um, that will be sincere, that will hopefully be effective um, and not haunt you? So you honor mm -hmm. these corporate social initiatives each year um, through your HALO Awards program, and I'd love to learn a little more about that. Just provide the listeners with a little context. Absolutely. So we've been holding the HALO Awards as long as we've been producing our events, and uh, they come in two flavors, and I'm the guy have to take the, the hit for this because I created two things that can be a little confusing. We have two types of awards. One is the Golden Halo Awards, and each year we honor one business and one nonprofit for their sort of collective history and legacy and leadership in this sphere. So, for example, when we gather in Chicago, we'll be honoring REI, uh, which has done amazing work company that has long had a social mission, it's a, it's a cooperative, mm -hmm. uh, but several years ago said, we're going to do something bold. We're going to close our stores on the day after Thanksgiving, nominally many people would say the busiest shopping day, and we're going to tell our employees and our customers to get outside. They created tremendous programming, tre tremendous messaging, tremendous coalitions of partners to make this happen, and it has been highly recognized, won numerous awards, and on balance has also contributed to the legacy of economic success that they've had in terms of shopping. Mm -hmm. So we're really excited to be having REI come. And then we're also, this year, a, a partner of theirs, but it wasn't because they were a partner of theirs that they're being honored, is the National Parks Foundation. So that's the nonprofit Golden Halo Award honoree, and they, went from a relatively small player in terms of working with corporations. They used their 100th anniversary, which fell a couple of years ago, uh, as a uh, rallying point to really up their game and create many more and interesting programs with corporate partners. And by a factor of, I think, 10 or more, they increased their the funding and the recognition and their uh, their footprint, so to speak. Sure. So one is we select, uh, looking at, at what's happening in the field, one winner of, uh, in each category within the Golden Halos. But then the Halo Awards is a competitive program in which there are a dozen or so categories, best health program, best environmental program, best digital uh, use of digital technology. And uh, we receive, I think this year we received afterward as 150 applications from people who wanted to nominate particular programs that they had achieved in large part in 2018. And then we have a competitive uh, process in which we judge them and have a panel of judges select some winners. And um, it's, it's fascinating for us 
It's fascinating for our folks uh, who follow us either at the conference or online because this provides us with huge number of case studies, some of which we've all heard of and some of which we haven't heard sure. of at all. Sure. How difficult is it to judge these? It is challenging yeah. uh, because <laughs> unlike many fields, I actually run another conference uh, in, on peer-to-peer -peer fundraising. Okay. And we won't go into that other than to say there are, there are some very common factors that all of those pro programs have. They, do, they, they attract people to fundraise, they activate people to fundraise, they, uh, uh, they get them and try to get them to come back. Mm -hmm. The world of cause, the world of consumer engagement or, and employee engagement around social causes in a manner that embraces commerce as well as cause and social impact is so varied. There are so many different levers that one can turn in terms of what your program consists of. There are also so many different size programs. Uh, there are almost so many different modalities that uh, we often find that, I tell the judges before we have our judgment day, if you're looking for perfection in terms of exact equivalence and just picking at the margins, you're not gonna have it because there's a, there's a great variety. It's one of the strengths of this area. It's yeah. tough. Well, despite the variety of entries that you have, did any specific themes emerge this year that well, you've noticed compared to perhaps sure, the previous? Sure, sure. I thought about that, uh, that idea uh, t today. And when we started, it was 2003. So much of the oxygen in the room, so to speak, was being consumed by health-related causes. Mm -hmm. Health-related causes are still a major part Absolutely. of this field, yep. but not as much in terms of dominating. And you can take it even a step further. Breast cancer, it was the, the heyday of the whole pink movement. And uh, now we see a far greater uh, diversity, uh, which is an important word to use, and I'll get back to that in a second, sure. of types of causes, social service causes, um, issues uh, having to do with uh, equality, um, issues having to do with international questions, treating different populations, etc. So that's one thing is just it's a much broader field with many, many, many more players. The second thing is that with over time, topics emerge that a few years ago weren't really uh, at the center of everybody's attention and diversity and inclusion is, is a clear example of if you looked back at our correspondence or at our news clips from five years ago, it really wasn't a big thing, but the whole Me Too movement and yes, uh, yes. the whole marriage equality movement and so many others have made that something that so many companies, which in the past wouldn't have dreamed of even touching, now make a central part of their communications. So that was, a, that was fascinating this year, and we had a, for the first time a diversity and inclusion category within the Halo Awards. Boy, that's, that's terrific. You mentioned REI earlier as a brand that's engaging for good. Who else would you say is knocking it out of the park right now? If you had to pick a couple yeah, of Yeah, this is one of those uh, topics that is fascinating because, again, it's not cookie cutter. Right. Um, and I, I, I'd, like, I'd love to, to share sort of the alpha and the omega in terms of how to sure. talk about that. So on the one hand, you could talk about a good-sized company, but certainly, certainly at, at most a 
medium-sized company in terms of the, the behemoth that the ANA is, is so often involved with, mm -hmm. uh, Patagonia. Here is a company that produces, you know, started by somebody who created better climbing equipment, had a, uh, a founder, CEO for many years who, who really breathed a certain ethos into their company. Mm -hmm. um, and now uh, under, uh, he continues to be involved, but under additional management, I mean, they're doing amazing things in terms of taking stands on issues related to, to the environment and uh, have done brilliant campaigns, which on the one hand are very authentic and, um, and sincere. Mm -hmm. You know, don't buy this jacket is one right. of their famous campaigns, yes. Yes. Uh, which uh, both are truthful in terms of saying to people, really be thoughtful about what you're buying. And I would say that a part of that message is we produce really, really, really high quality. Mm -hmm. You also are paying for that, and so you're paying a premium for it, but it's sort of underlying the, the message of we're really worth it. Um, and it, it fits in beautifully with, with their environmental positioning at the leadership. Everybody points to that. So here you have a smaller, very high profile, very founder-centric uh, company. And then you go to the other extreme and an unbelievable company that sells a very inexpensive product relatively would be Unilever. Also with just now having left, but also with a CEO, a professional manager, Paul Pullman, yeah. who made it one of his main messages throughout his tenure to say we are a purpose-driven company and over time he was able to show that their purpose-driven brands such as Dove for example uh, had a trajectory in terms of growth that far exceeded what their average brand did and that has that success has permeated the company and they've done marvelous marvelous things. Did it take a company like Unilever to really launch this whole purpose front? I think they have had played a huge, huge role because I think there was a, a sense of, well, my gosh, I know their products. If they can do it, certainly we could do it. Uh, but it does, it does, I think that one of the things that we see time and time again is that it is very hard to lead totally from the rear, to have a, a lone uh, associate brand manager who really wants their brand to stand for a purpose if they're working within a company that doesn't trumpet that as one of their values. If you have somebody leading from the top who is saying this is something that we really value and, is, and can be effective and we believe it's effective mm -hmm. and so occasionally we will make investments. There are many investments. You have, to, you have to take a leap of faith. It wouldn't be an investment if you didn't have to take a leap of sure. faith. There are very few sure things. And if you've got it coming from the top, that will embolden the people who are more in the trenches and making those decisions on strategic direction and tactical implementation. Uh, it'll, it'll give them the wherewithal to do that. And, and in the case of Unilever, it paid off. And I think that, that was inspiring to a lot of people at a lot of other companies. So what do these companies like Unilever and Patagonia mention, your Halo Award winners, what do they share in common? as characteristics? Well, I mean, that was, that was one of the things that I think, uh, it's not 100%, mm -hmm. but one is a culture and a leadership of 
valuing this type of activity and pushing it to the fore. I think the other is a, a recognition that aligning yourself with a cause is not sort of magic. There used to, I used to make a, a, jo a joke about the, the people believing in the, the cause fairy godmother, that she, you would embrace a cause, you would give a pittance in terms of contribution or integration into your brand, but just by the nature that you were doing something good, this pixie dust would be sprinkled by the fairy godmother and you would have a wonderful success. And the truth is that there are so many messages being hurled at us as consumers and employees all of the time that it, it, even as good as any cause can be, if you don't properly support it, if you don't take a long-range view, if you don't uh, create really strong programming, uh, there, there will be failures because it's, it's, it's not magic. It needs the same uh, amount of fuel uh, that other types of initiatives may require. Are there any lessons, particular lessons, from the HALO Awards that our marketer members in particular could learn? I think that w one of the things that I'm constantly reminded of, um, and it may be too simplistic for some of your members, but I guess some of those simple messages are uh, things that we can always be reminded of. Consumers have a limited aperture of openness to the stimuli that surround them. And if you create a cause platform for your brand that is so complicated that you have to read a three-page manifesto to understand what you're doing, you're going to lose them because nobody, you know, other than the the 1% of the vanguard of people who are on the barricades uh, for particular causes, they will be lost. So one thing is, you know, sort of the KISS rule in terms of keep it simple, stupid, or Sally, yeah. or whatever you want right. it to use. I think that is so, so important. On the other hand, uh, the power of this type of communication, of this type of exercise, is that if, well, conceived of and executed and promoted, the power of these types of stories, if properly shared, uh, is enormous. The emotional content that is contained uh, and, and, and which should not be, sh shouldn't be done in a opportunistic way, sure. but sh should be done sincerely, uh, can have a huge effect on everybody along the line from the consumers that you are reaching out to, to the tribes who are your supporters, to your employees. And one of the great joys of the work that I've been involved with for, for so long is for many people, they move from company to company, they move from brand to brand. When they think back on their careers, some of the most gratifying work that they have done mm -hmm. have been when that magic moment has, has appeared and they've had an opportunity to work on these kinds of programs because uh, what a wonderful, wonderful combination if you can truly do well by doing good. I mentioned at the, at the top that you've been quoted in some major publications over the course of your career. So David, as a former journalist, I just have to ask, do you feel there's been adequate coverage in the media about brands engaging for good? I think the trade publications within advertising are doing a decent job and you're seeing it bubble more. Yeah. 
But across the board, I'm not so sure. I think it's like hit or miss. Forbes does a, a great job covering purpose, but I'm not sure that the message is really getting out as much as I'd like. Yeah, well, I think that, uh, that there are a couple of things. First of all, it was wonderful 15 years ago because major publications in the consumer press actually had a few people working for them. Mm -hmm. And they might even have, uh, certainly the major newspapers, would have a philanthropy-oriented reporter who was on the beat, who was churning out right. good stuff. And now it becomes much more catch-as-catch-can. And on a Tuesday afternoon, the guy or gal who's been writing about commercial real estate suddenly sees something in their field and they knock off a story. But there's very infrequently the continuity and the ability to learn in a more de a deeper way mm -hmm. to turn out really great stories. So mm -hmm. I would agree with you. On the other hand, yes, I think because the trades now see that this isn't just a uh, flash in the pan, mm -hmm. uh, and there is somewhat more continuity in terms of those people and a little bit more depth, yes, I, I would agree that, that we, we, we see a lot of good trade journalism uh, around this. Mm -hmm. So how do we build momentum for this movement? That's what I want to know, and for you too, for your organization as well. It's very gratifying. When I mean, we started 17 years ago, last May, we had the largest gathering in the history of our company, and I'm, I'm reading in the tea leaves and the r returns are, uh, are accurate. It looks like we'll do that again this year. So we really uh, welcome people to become involved, whether it's simply by checking out our website, because it's really built the most popular article uh, in our, on our website is st statistics every cause marketer should know. People, we try to make it easy for people to find the resources that can help them move a little bit forward in the work that they're doing. Um, there's tremendous amount of inspiration and great people involved in this and uh, and, and we're, we're going to try to keep on supporting them. So, David, thank you so much. We're out of time. I really appreciate your time and joining me today in the ANA Center for Brand Purpose podcast, and I wish you all the best moving forward. And for anyone who wants to learn more about Engage for Good, please visit engageforgood.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.